on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on a Monday, November 29th, just two days left in November, getting ready to switch on over to December. LA Galaxy have a busy schedule of events. MLS has a busy schedule of events coming up here. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the roster decisions that were finally made. Jonathan Dos Santos, his departure. Dennis Nicolosa, his departure. Lots of things happened over that Thanksgiving break. We're going to round it all back up for you and tell you where you're at. Fill in some other things, international stuff, all sorts of fun things like that. So uh, a good show. I imagine there's a lot of information. Sorry about that. It's just the way uh, some of the things happen. And it's uh, we're going to go deep into the rosters and all that fun stuff as well. So uh, in order to help me do that, he is back. He is not here in the United States, but we'll give him a chance to explain his current whereabouts. I feel like we're playing a game of where in the world is Carmen Sandiego. It's Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going? Hola, Joshua. Frankie in Mexico and in the Chico de Ferrao Ferrao de Mexico. And um, by the way, I want to tell you that I like the comedy store thing with the bricks. Yes. But I liked it better when it said what a non-playoff edition. Oh, whenever it was no playoffs? No playoffs? Yeah, no playoffs. By the way, I I, I like the uh, the pajamas. That, I don't, that's a nice touch. I don't know why you are harassing me about my my holiday garb already. Um, this is this is a shirt I wore to work today. Thank you. It's a polo. It works. And I would also like to point out that my studio in the back. We have gone from the normal podcast podcast blue that is normally in the background, which is very much a, a galaxy color, to what I like to call wintry mix. Uh, and if you're from a cold place um, or if you've been associated with any cold places, you know, wintry mix is this thing that's somewhere between snow and rain. And it sounds delightful, but it's really a second level of hell, which is which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, you have the candle back there. And by the way, my wife says when I have my glasses on, I look like Mr. Mr. Fredrickson from Up. This is true. Actually, actually, it, that is the most accurate thing ever. For uh, yes, it's a mm-hmm. talking dog. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, you you do that. You're in Mexico. Uh, what are you doing in Mexico? I am in Mexico. Um, the I don't know if this is a secret. Maybe I'm letting the cat out of the bag. But tomorrow, the Mexican uh, Football Federation will a- announce a a rebranding. They're going to have a new logo, new look. That today they announced. We went to the training center today. Uh, which is amazing. Uh, one of the things that I had a conversation with Chris Klein over the weekend, not to name drop, but, and he was telling me when I go to the training center here, look around because the U S does not have anything like this. So we went to Me- to the Mexican training center. There's, I think three pitches. There's a sand pitch for the beach volleyball team. There's yeah, it's pretty cool. That's cool. There's two hotels. 
so that like a youth team can be there and a senior national team can be there. They're in a hotel. It's like a real hotel. Um, there's a cafeteria where they can go. There's the most amazing gymnasium that I've ever seen. Um, they have two half pitches, you know, we can go goalies can go goalkeepers can go train today. The, the Canadian national women national women's team was there, the Mexican women's team. And then the Canadian national women's team was there. Um, so anyway, the point is we're here for the rebranding of the Mexican national federation. Um, tomorrow before the rebranding ceremony, we're going to go to Toluca, which is where a lot of the youth national teams train. Now, one of the, the things I did, I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Tata Martino, the coach of the Mexican national team today. I also talked to Jan de Luisa, who is the president of the Mexican Federation. Um, I thought this was news. I found out it's not. Tata Martino told me that Efrain Alvarez and Julian Araujo would be called into camp ahead of next month's friendly with, with Chile, which will be played in Austin, Texas. Um, and then there were pictures that came out of Efrain and, and Julian in training today. So not a big news. I did not see them uh, at the training center. They may be at Toluca. They may be somewhere else. They, they were running but, from you. That was, that was, they yeah, saw they, you coming they, and they went out the back decision. door. Yeah. But I will say we did see the Canadian national team train. And I hope this is not the first team for Canada's women because they were terrible. They were trying to working on shots on goal and it was like 35 yard field goals. It was not even close. It was like Walker Zimmerman's penalty kick. Oh, ouch. Ooh, a Nashville joke right in there, you know, for did, didn't get one in the, uh, in the net there. Yeah. I was going to say, if you had not been paying attention to MLS, uh, wacky things are happening in the playoffs. Uh, a team that cheated is now probably the favorite in the Western conference um, in order to get there. So RSL storming through people. Uh, Portland is, is there as well. So that game coming up, uh, New England was supposed to be playing to, uh, tomorrow night. That's right. Tomorrow night they're playing uh, their first game. I think Philadelphia is awaiting the winner of that, and Philadelphia just took right. out Nashville. And now, let's talk about New England for just a second. Bruce Arena today won his fourth MLS Coach of the Year award. That's a record. No one's won more than four. Um, you know, they won the Supporter Shield this year. They finished first in the Eastern Conference, set a record, uh, MLS best regular season record. They've played one game since October 27th. Yes. They played a game every six days during the regular season. Then they go, I think it's 33 days, without playing a game. They're going to play Tuesday. There's five teams in the playoffs that have already played twice. Mm -hmm. New England hasn't played at all. That's supposed to be their reward for winning the conference. Um, you know, I, I just and, – and they're going to play um, a New York City FC team, which is pretty tough. And then if they get past that, they have to go play Philadelphia, which, by the way, is better for New England because – Bruce Arena has never beaten Nashville since he came to – well, ever. Since he came to New England, it's the only Eastern Conference team he hasn't beaten. Philadelphia this year, they won two and tied and drew once. They haven't lost to Philadelphia. Better matchup for New England. But the point is, how do you reward a team by giving them 33 days off? And if they win, they have four days between games. They have to play the second game That's, within four days. And that is just crazy. And Philadelphia has already played. They already played – what, did they play last night or, or the night before? And now they – so they're more rested? I mean, it's just – it's this weird thing that happens in MLS, and especially this. They tried to massage this schedule – and to me, it's lost. Again, it's lost momentum. We talked about the momentum. It's that international break every single time, whether it's in the playoffs or whether it's in between the regular season and the playoffs, Kevin, there's something that is lost in that. Maybe it's the fact that the LA Galaxy don't seem to ever be getting ready to play those games, uh, at least not in recent uh, memory here outside of 2019. Uh, there's no playoff game. Maybe that's why it loses momentum for me, who likes to shut things down for a little bit. Next year, they won't have that international break, so it'll be smoother. But in the case of this year... I think in retrospect, when you look back, New England and and and, and the West, Colorado, which lost their first playoff game, um, they played five days ago, 
I think those teams would want to play a first-round game. And the reason why is if they're a superior team, if they're the best team in the conference, let them play the eighth seed, you know, send eight teams along. Right. Let them play that team. Let them play a game instead of just sitting around waiting. The idea is you're rewarded for that. No, you're not, really not rewarded for that. And Brian Strauss of Sports Illustrated had a really interesting stat. I didn't believe it, so I went and looked it up, and it's true. Since 2010, so the last 11 years, the teams that have won the conference standings in the regular season – um, which in this case this year was Colorado and New England. Right. Only two teams of those 22 have gone on to MLS Cup. LA Galaxy was one of them in 2011. I remember right. that. And, and the other one was Toronto when they won Supporter Shield and then MLS Cup in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's extremely difficult to do as a whole deal. I have a question. So, so Bruce Arena named uh, MLS Coach of the Year. Uh, he was going um, up against... Um, some good competition. Robin Frazier was yeah. second. Yeah, Robin Frazier was second. And they, I mean, there were a lot of good reasons why you could have voted for Robin Frazier, understood. Again, I didn't get a vote, so I don't I don't have a problem with this. Um, the whole deal. But so Bruce wins, though. And Bruce wins the Siggy Schmidt Coach of the Year Award. Do you think Bruce yeah. is sort of like, sort of like, does that feel a little weird to Bruce? I, I just, it feels weird to me whenever you sort of put it out there. Well, you know, the, the Dominion voting machines that were used for that, I think, you know, there's election fraud all over the place to who Chavez was involved somehow. I don't know. But, you know, when obviously Bruce is not going to say anything. Of course not. The least bit, you know, shady about Ziggy now. But when Ziggy was still around and, and when the Galaxy in Seattle had those, uh, you know, um, playoff battles every year, he told me that Ziggy and he go back into their college days. They faced off a lot. And. I never got the feeling that Bruce necessarily was warmed up to Ziggy the way he did to Bob Bradley. Uh, and Ziggy pulled some stuff. I remember going to a playoff game in Seattle one year, and the Sounders trained match day minus one. They trained at their complex. The field was fine. Galaxy went to train at, at what was then CenturyLink Field, covered with snow. They hadn't bothered to clear the snow off. A little gamesmanship that Ziggy tried. And Bruce would mention that. And I, I think they were, I think they, they, totally respected each other. I think Bruce still has total respect for Ziggy, but they weren't best friends at all. The, the interesting thing is the galaxy connection to both of them. Though. Right. No, no, it is. I just, I just, it just feels a little, it's just weird. I I had a bunch of conversations with people off the time. By the way, uh, Cameron was asking if you vote for end of the season awards and you have a vote, but you don't vote, correct? I have a vote and I don't vote because I have reason to believe that um, uh, MLS sometimes um, has the outcome decided ahead of time yeah that's that, that's your opinion i would just like to point that out right? that's, no that's my opinion yes. my opinion only um and and the so for the major awards which are pretty simple i don't vote because of that then the other ones you know a lot of times they, they want you to pick the best 11 i really don't know who the best central midfielder in mls is and i some guys have contract clauses for that for some guys it's uh, you know a big deal i don't want to just go vote for a seattle sounder guy or, or somebody from houston that i've seen right when maybe the best player plays for inner miami yeah so and you we don't you, and we don't get to see again there are 27 now 28 teams coming into major league soccer 28 teams that is 14 games that you have to watch basically every weekend that's that's a lot kevin and i can't watch all those games and you can't watch all those games and i can watch some highlights here and there i can do that but it's really difficult to determine who the best is um overall so very interesting stuff glad we got to talk about it i glad, glad we touched on some of that stuff um let's get to some of the news though that happened over the break uh the first thing that we have been talking about here for i don't know four or five months on the pro on the program talking about dennis DeClosa, whether or not he was going to come back whether or not the galaxy were going to exercise his option a whole bunch of other things that that were sort of playing into this and we have led you 
through this road and through the negotiations and through everything that we had learned about what was going on with that club all the way through until uh, this weekend when, you know, basically on, uh, let's see, I'm trying to go back and sort of figure out, I think on Friday morning, I had a discussion with somebody and sort of knew that Dennis was was gone and that there were being announcements. And, and or was you it know, really funny as I reached out to Dennis and said, so are you going to the Netherlands? And he goes, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. By the way, I'm in the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. It was, you know, it 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 is funny, and I've I've had some conversations with him since and and before a little bit too, and just it was always interesting, just sort of getting it. But just following through all this stuff. I mean, the announcement comes out and says, you know, Dennis DeClosa is leaving the LA Galaxy. Uh, he's going back to the Netherlands to be, um, you know, for his next challenge, and he was excited to do it and the whole deal. And all of the press release sort of sits here and says you know, oh, you know, Dennis left because he really wanted to go back to the Netherlands. And I'm sure some of that is true, right? Absolutely, Kevin, some of that is true. But I think that we would be ignoring things, and we had talked about this many, many times throughout this the course of this sort of process taking place. We would be ignoring the fact that Dennis DeClosa was under contract for the next season. Uh, he was under contract for 2022 because the LA Galaxy exercised his option on October 15th. Um, and at least what I'm told is act- at the last possible day to exercise the contract, uh, it was exercised. Within hours of the of the option expiring. Right. And so basically the, the whole deal. Now, we also know that Dennis's name was already popping up in places. There was some Houston talk. Remember Cincinnati at one point uh, early on uh, as well, although I don't think that, that was ever a, a real thing. Um, but Dennis's name was already popping, talk, popping up about being general manager of some clubs in Major League Soccer and some other places, possibly in Mexico. Um, and then, you know, eventually it comes down into the Netherlands as well. But we know before the option was even exercised that there were people interested in Dennis and Dennis because he didn't know what his future was. Um, at least from our understanding, is that he was out there looking for stuff too because he seem, he's a guy who likes to work, Kevin. He's not a guy who's going to be sitting around for a year whenever, you know, if, if something goes, if the Galaxy decided not to exercise the option so that he was going to look for places as well. Um, so, yeah. I got the sense from him that he was a little bit hurt by the fact that Galaxy was leaving the option open. Like, are you guys going to pick it up? I need to know. What's my future? What's going to happen? And I, I think Dennis's feeling was, look, if you want me... It's obvious. Ex- exercise the option by waiting to the last minute. I think he he kind of this is n- my impression from reading between the lines. Numerous conversations with Dennis. He never said this, but my feeling was he felt a little bit insulted. Like if you want me, bring me back. If you don't want me, let me go. And this sort of playing around, uh, he thought he deserved better than that. Yeah, and and, he did. and if we go back and look at the history now of, of the GMs, right, or the people who were in charge of making decisions for all this stuff, you got Pete Vianis after Bruce Arena left, right? Pete Vianis was put in charge. Uh, Vianis was eventually demoted um, and then and then released, right? Remember, remember there was. Do we do we tell so? Let's go. Let's go way back to Pete Vianis, Kevin. Do you remember when we did a podcast that didn't make the air about Pete Vianis? Yes. Yes. Okay. So let, I'll tell the story a little bit. This is behind the scenes and I won't get into the, the super details, but you and I were tipped off to something that was going to happen. Right. And we were like, oh, um, you know, P. Vianis looks like he's not no longer going to be with the club, the whole deal. So we did a podcast and we said, we'll hold it until the next day to make sure that we're right. And this has happened a couple of times throughout the years. If you ever see us holding a podcast like, oh, well, it'll be out in the morning or something like that. It's usually because we're waiting to be right. And we and most of the 99% of the time we're right. This was one time when we were incorrect, though, because we thought that that Vianus was departing the L.A. Galaxy. And in fact, he had been demoted, but stayed with the club. Was that was that what you remember as well? Yeah. 
Yeah. And then Ziggy took over as general manager after Pete. So it was went to Pete and then it went to Siggy and Siggy was in charge as like the GM and the head coach and everything there. Right. And he had Kurt Schmidt with him as well. Um, there was another large push whenever Kurt Anolfo was there where there was a push to really sort of solidify the scouting and do all that stuff. And then there was another big push under Siggy Schmidt as GM with Kurt Schmidt there to solidify the scouting and to, to advance some of their analytics and their search and their net and everything like that. And then Siggy Schmidt is fired, although, it, you know, again, that was a mutually decided to part ways. Um, so that happened, right? So then you have Dennis DeClosa comes in whenever you get uh, the the next GM. So Dennis DeClosa. So you've had now three GMs that have been in charge of this route throughout these whole things. And not one of them, I believe, has really left on good terms with the LA Galaxy. And that includes Dennis DeClosa here. I, I think he, he'll say nice things and he certainly did. And he thanked everybody. And he has told me and he told us in the summertime Kevin, that he had unfinished to do with the LA Galaxy and he wanted to stay and he wanted to be there. Um, he told us our, at our live show. Um, and then now he leaves and talking with him, he tells me there was still unfinished business. Um, well, it, it's it's one of the iconic, um, it's a, a um, original franchise in MLS, the Galaxy, one of the iconic. They've won more MLS titles than anyone. They have more wins than anybody, but it's in turmoil right now. If you go back to Bruce starting, you know, since Bruce left, there's been three general managers and five coaches um, and they've made one playoff appearance. Yep. Now it's a record streak. Now I think it's seven years since they made an MLS cup final. That's the longest in galaxy history by a lot. Um, and, and when you talk about the general manager position and I've spoken to all of the former general managers, so I'm not going to name any of them. I'll just tell you a couple of stories. One is one general manager. Well, I guess if I give you the name of the player, you'll know who it is. <laughs> but one general manager told me when he came in, they needed to sign a, um, a defender. One defender had left. They needed to sign another defender. It was midseason. They had to do it immediately. And this uh, a general manager coach, um, uh, which one it was, went went to the front office and said, "Where's the list of players we've been scouting? Now, you know, we need a backup and you know for a defender. Who do we got? Oh, we don't have that list." And this guy told me every team has these lists. It's just general thing that you do. It's what executives do. No list. Galaxy weren't prepared. And then I've heard other stories about there is no place where the buck stops. If a play, if someone over here in the front office says we should sign this guy, and someone over here says no, we can't afford it, we should sign that guy. There's no one in the middle to referee that argument, and it it never gets decided. And so what happens is the galaxy pass up opportunities. And I've heard from general managers that. The Galaxy have so much potential and so many resources, and they're just they're just not taking advantage of these great resources and opportunities that they have. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I'm reading through the chat room here as well, and uh, Eric uh, joins us in the chat room and says, um, "Not not the hammer, by the, the way. This, no, no, no. It's a different Eric." It's a different Eric. He says, is this a big loss for the Galaxy talking about Dennis DeClosa? And he says, fans at Feyenoord are anticipating him to do big things in Rotterdam and bring about a, a, a cultural shift or, or, to the organization. Um, Eric's last name leads me to believe he possibly could be Dutch uh, and is joining us uh, in there to find out about some, some Dennis DeClosa. Listen, I think that there are a lot of people, one, that are confused about what a general manager does and don't seem to understand what Dennis's job was. However, saying it's different from team to team. It does. You know, you do have to say it's different from team to team. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I agree. We can talk about that a little bit because I think we're going to get to who's making the decisions, and I think it's important to sort of break that down. But if you're looking at what directly Dennis DeClosa did, um, and my big takeaways, and certainly from talking to him and talking to, to people around around the cu the club, is 
looking at the academy system, bringing in Juan Carlos Ortega, which Kevin, you and I were talking about beforehand, who had left and probably signaled a little bit of a change from the LA Galaxy organization that perhaps something not all was right with Dennis DeClosa and not all was right with the way the organization was being they thought was being led by Dennis. Uh, but bringing in Juan Carlos Ortega to be the technical director of the academy system and establishing an academy system, establishing a, uh, a an expectation, Kevin, for young players, an expectation for young players, what was expected of them and how they could get to the first team. And if you look at what Dennis did just in that realm, remember the LA Galaxy were known for having boatloads of talent down in the academy system, Kevin, and converting none of those to contracts and letting all those players go for free. And we saw that over and over again. And Dennis really, you know, sort of went in there and, and put his foot down on that stuff and said, this is how we're going to do it. And it used to be, hey, if you're in the LA Galaxy Academy system, you can just go to Europe and the LA Galaxy don't get anything for you. And you'll have, you know, a chance at least. It's going to be a small chance, but a small, but a chance to play over in Europe. And Dennis said, you shouldn't be going to Europe unless you're getting first team minutes. Your priority isn't to get to Europe through to bypass the LA Galaxy. It's to go through the LA Galaxy to get to Europe. Look at Julian Rajo. Look at Efrain Alvarez. You look at all the homegrown players that were sort of signed under Dennis and the trust that he was able to build with those players, Kevin, is one of the most important things because it was not there. And I think the Galaxy were neglecting, um, you know, their academy system to, to a large part before Dennis got there. So if you're looking for the biggest thing that Dennis did um, and his impact on the organization, it was to stabilize, I think, an academy system that was bleeding players. Um, and now I think has a pretty reasonable pipeline from the Academy through LA Galaxy 2 and into LA Galaxy um, to say, if you want to go to Europe, then your job is to make a splash here through the first team, and then we'll get to you to Europe. And I think that's well, the well, biggest thing. Well, here's the interesting thing with Dennis. When he came in, remember Guillermo then came in right after him. Uh, Guillermo uh, played in MLS, but really didn't know how MLS worked from a contract situation, from that kind of stuff. Dennis had executive experience with Chivas USA. He had executive experience with uh, in Mexico. He knew how to how to get contracts done. He knew how to do that stuff. And he knew how to scout players and find players through what he did with the Mexican national team. So Guillermo comes in, doesn't know MLS. Dennis comes in. They, they're a team. Dennis stabilizes the youth system, as you said. He does a lot of that backfilling. He helps Guillermo sign players, find players to sign, all that kind of stuff. Dennis and Guillermo were kind of a was the left hand and the right hand. Um, then Greg Vanny comes in. Greg Vanny has been a successful coach and a technical director, which when we talk about the, the splitting the hairs between what a general manager does and what, say, a technical director or a sporting director does, we'll talk about that in a minute. But Greg had all that experience. Greg had He knew how he wanted to build his team. He didn't need somebody telling him where to go scout. What he needed is someone to sign contracts and make the money work. That's not what Dennis wanted to do. The, the thing with Dennis is, is, is to answer the question from Eric – um, is it a loss? Yes and no. It's a loss because Dennis had a lot of ability, a lot of talent. He, he's a very, um, you know, in, he could have been a very useful port, part in this, but Greg didn't want that. Greg wanted to make the decisions himself. That's your assumption, think, though. That is your assumption. That's my assumption, yeah. But I, I, and so if Greg is going to make those decisions, and Dennis all of a sudden isn't a general manager. He's an executive assistant or whatever you want to call it. He's not going to get the salary that he had. But I guess my point was, when you look at the academy director leaving, going back to Mexico, you look at the team now as Greg Vanny's. Um, did Dennis leave a legacy? I, after three years, I think he's leaving, and it's almost as if he wasn't here. Eh, 
That's I, I, I disagree. I mean, I, and by the way, you'll be feeling that legacy for years to come because of the Academy system and where it was sort of put in place. But, but the director's gone. It is going to continue in that direction that Dennis said. I mean, it, it doesn't matter because you already have, I don't know, 10 players that are sort of already edging towards first team player playability. And those 10 players could be with the club for the next 10 years and 12 years. I mean, it would be really cynical to say that Dennis leaves and you don't know he was here looking at Julian Araujo's contract and the ability to keep Julian Araujo for a little bit of time or also to sell him for a tremendous amount of money. The relationship that was there that was built same with Efrain Alvarez, you go down to, um, you know, Jalen Neal and for Kranis and, um, you know, other guys now that are sort of bubbling up to this, senior team level and those have Dennis's foot fingerprints on it um but and, and sort of guiding that as well and you say Chicharito that's a Dennis guy Dennis knew Chicharito from the time he was a youth player at Chivas Chicharito probably doesn't come without Dennis but then Dennis also signed Giancarlo Gonzalez who's still going to cost the Galaxy another million dollars this next season but, so but we were also talking about and you said that technically speaking and we talked about this specifically is that as the GM and sort of what Genesis job was to do would certainly be to recommend players, but more than likely it was the coach saying, we need this guy. We need a defender. Go out and get this defender. I will, I will continue to argue. There are some things I would always argue. One is Giancarlo Gonzalez was a good buy, right? Because of what he did, because of his knowledge of major league soccer, where he went and when he came back, nobody expected him to be. Sometimes guys just fall off and there's nothing you can do about it. There was no indications, certainly not from his time playing, I think in Italy, um, that he was going to be as poor as he was whenever he came back. It's one of those things. It happens. I mean, Shelvick, quite honestly, was a much better defender than what he showed with the LA Galaxy. Now that ends up being a bad contract. But again, sometimes you sign the guys for all the right reasons and then things go sideways and it doesn't work out. Right. So, I mean, I want to make it clear. I'm not anti-Dennis. I'm very pro-Dennis. I'm just saying that it just seems as if whatever Dennis constructed, the galaxy seemed to just saying, oh, we don't need that anymore. But if you, the the big deal for me and certainly, um, by the you're way, right about the players, boy. you're right about the players. You're absolutely right. That That's uh, something I hadn't thought about. He did, you know, Ephraim will be here and Julian will be here longer because of Dennis. And then some of these other y- young players they signed. You're, you're right about those guys. So it, it was so, you know, I'm trying to, whenever you look at what made Je- Dennis, I think a better GM than some of the things that we've seen is just his openness, his willing to explain his willingness to answer questions, to interact with fans, all that stuff. But it was also the scouting. Do you know like how often I would, I would like send him a message or something. He's like, Oh, I'm at this U 12 game and I'm watching these kids play right now. And I'm scouting these guys and I'm like, Oh, I'm at this, you know, USL game because I'm doing this. And I'm over here. Oh, I'm at this America versus Pachuca game because I'm scouting the players. The dude was always scouting. He was always looking at guys. He was always trying to just keep in mind who was around, who was playing well. Um, and it was just, it, it was constant Kevin. It was every time you would talk to him. So it was it was interesting. I'll say this. Uh, he didn't pretend to be on his phone whenever he would see the press. That's for sure, uh, which I thought was a, a huge bonus uh, for, for all of us. So, I mean, certainly his relationship with um, with the media was important. And it's probably one of the reasons that I am probably more pro Dennis than maybe some other people are. That being said, uh, I got told I was full of it many times uh, by the man. And so that always helps, too, um, whenever you <laughs> realize that he's not going to suffer fools and the whole deal. So. Um, the big question now, though, is who's in charge? And and I, we don't have an answer, but we think we ha- we th- we think we can assume well, what that answer is, right? We we kind of do. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I had a conversation with Chris Klein this weekend, and he told me that uh, he said clearly that that Greg Vanny is in charge of player personnel decisions. That doesn't mean he doesn't take input from other people, but he's the final say. I want this guy. I don't want that guy. 
So when we talk a little bit about the does the buck stop here, the buck stops now with Greg Vanny. He is the the ultimate decision maker. Um, now, uh, Chris said that we'll be, they are reorganizing the front office. They will make an announcement on that shortly. My guess is they bring in somebody maybe with a general manager title, maybe not. Um, is that going to be like a, like a technical director? Is that what we're going to end well, up? That's what Greg, Greg is going to be a technical director. And, and the way I think the Galaxy want to explain that is Greg is the coach. Greg is a technical director. That gives him the umbrella of anybody that steps on the field, Greg is in charge of. But does he, that, does, do you think that also includes academy guys as well? So Greg is now in charge no, of that whole no, thing? Okay. No, no, I don't think it includes, although he does have an academy background. Remember his first job, his job at Real Salt Lake and then in Toronto was the academy. So he does have that experience. I just think that's too, uh, too big a portfolio. So I do think they're going to bring in somebody to help him with contracts and those kind of things. MLS contracts, uh, the whole system is extremely complex. We talked before the, the show, like we have coming up in December, there's the re-entry draft stage one, there's a re-entry draft stage two, there's the expansion draft, there's the uh, super draft, there's free agency, there's contract options. You know, Bruce Arena could do that because he grew up, he's, he, he came along with all of those changes. He knew everything. Um, there's just been too many complex uh, uh, things added to the system now. So I do think someone will come in that will be in sort of an executive to handle the contracts and, and make sure the money works. Um, the academy is an interesting one, though, too, because do they hire two people? Do they hire academy director? Does one person do both? They do need someone to oversee that academy because Dennis did stock it with some good players, and it's going to wither on the vine if they don't get someone to take care of it. We're going to see, again, guys like Yuliane is heading off to Europe for free because no one's paying attention to him. Yeah. I, by the way, if you if you didn't hear my hour long talk with Dennis DeClosa about, you know, academy and developmental players and sort of how that works and how what his views are, um, go back and listen to that podcast. Uh, I, I think it was one of my more interesting talks that I've ever had with with somebody just being open about how they saw things and how they thought things should progress. And I really think that, that should be a, a template for how the L.A. Galaxy sort of do stuff. Um, by the way, before yeah. you get away from that, that was a great conversation. And I want to go back to that saying, look at where we've come since 2016. We've talked about the number of general managers, the number of coaches. Bruce leaves in 2016. The team decides we're going all in on the academy. Everyone from the academy, boom, you're on the first team now. Let's see what happens. Now we're in a situation where then they follow that up by bringing in Dennis, a guy whose whole career has been built on youth development. He's going to put this academy together. He signs players. He gets players to, onto the first team. And what do they do? They let them go. This, again, kind of gets back to the dysfunction of the galaxy. In 2017, we're all in the, in the academy. Then we hire Pete Vianis, Vianis as GM. He was the academy director. We bring in Dennis, an academy guy who stocks the team. It's like a fishery. It's stocked with talent. And then we let him go. And now, all of a sudden, what happened to the academy? I thought in 2017, the academy was everything. Now we're letting the academy director go. And then we're, the guy that hired him, we let him go, too. Uh, it's interesting. Let's talk about Jonathan Dos Santos because I want to want to sort of switch about that. Is this is what widely expected departure? If you have been following this show for any period of time in the last or, or year, in general, yeah, in the last year, widely expected was not a surprise. And the people who were surprised today, and I saw them on social media, I was like, "Did you hit your head on something? Were you were you in a coma for a year? Are you Rip Van Winkle? Is that what's going on?" Um, have you seen it against the game in the last two seasons? Yeah. So. Um, it's super interesting. His his departure, Jonathan Dos Santos' departure, ends seven and a half years of a Dos Santos being on an LA Galaxy roster. Think about that for a second. Imagine how long seven and a half years is. Breathe it in. 
All right. Basically, the middle of 2015, Giovanni Dos Santos signed for the L.A. Galaxy, still under Bruce's tenure. Right. And then Jonathan Dos Santos eventually joins in 2017. This was under Cardinalfo, uh, if I remember correctly. No, it wasn't under Cardinalfo. It was the day Ziggy got hired. It was the exact same day it, or the day after. It was so they was like it was right. But we already knew he was coming in. Right. Remember that? Right. Was, well, but it hadn't been announced yet. Right. Right. And and I think it was you bet we better do something this summer. So let's sign this guy. And that was, if I remember, a conversation that we had a long time ago, Kevin, maybe sometime in 2018. You said, I, how long is seven and a half years? It's more than a quarter of the of MLS's existence. Yes. There's been a Dos Santos on the galaxy. That's, which is crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a... By the way, I would like to point out, seven and a half years with the Dos Santos, only one trophy was acquired during that seven and a half years, Kevin. Which one trophy was it? Wow. Your, a participation trophy? You're overthinking it. You're already overthinking it. It lived in my office for a whole year. Oh, that wooden spoon. The wooden spoon. I mean, and that's that's a cruel thing to sort of say whenever you lay it down, but that's also reality, right? It's Seven and a half. It's a, it's a prize. By the way, before we get to totally away from Dennis, you're speaking of the Dos Santos. Says one thing that Dennis did do is, and this was thought to be impossible. Remember, he was able to get Gio out of his D, DP contract to sign Zlatan. Uh, before the 2018 season. And remember, we all talked about how that would never happen. So he knows his way around the contracts. Oh, my. He does. He, and he did. So, uh, yeah, but Jonathan Dos Santos leaves. Uh, John, do, do, you have, do you have in your mind, can something stick out, uh, the best of Jonathan Dos Santos? Is there something that you sort of say, this is what I think of whenever I think of Jonathan Dos Santos? Well, it, it's not anything on the field. It's all off the field. He was a great guy to deal with. He was always smiling, always, always, always smiling. I never saw him down, no matter what. He was always smiling, always laughing. Everything was funny to him. Um, he loved L.A. You know, he has a house in the Hollywood Hills, not far from Carlos Vela's house. He uh, he took English on his own. I don't know if the team helped him pay for that, but he got a tutor, worked on English on his own. That was his idea. Um, he talked about wanting to retire here, wanting to yep. stay here. He said he didn't want to get U.S. citizenship, um, but he did want to stay here after his career was over. He hoped that it would end with the Galaxy now. I don't think it will. He's only 31. I think he'll probably wind up in Liga MX. Um, but he, um, and at the end of his career, you know, he, he started to get good enough in English where the last interview I did with him was in English, but he knew that I spoke Spanish. So up until then, we either did it all in Spanish or we did it in Spanglish where he would allow me to ask the questions in English and then he would respond in Spanish. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was kind of cool because it was like, look, I know you speak Spanish, but you're better language in English. I understand what you're saying in English, but my better language is Spanish. So let's kind of make it work. And it was really cool. He was just, you always felt better after you talked to him. It, it was, it, I have, I have a personal note with that as well. Whenever you would ask him, whenever he would, he would agree. And he was always really shy about doing English. He was never quite sure of himself all the time. And so you had sort of had to like coach him or, or encourage him to, to do it. We're like, come on. Uh, I know Sophie was always really good at get, about getting him uh, to answer in English as well and that type of thing. But whenever he would do it, and whenever he would be done and he would answer the questions in English and he would be done and he would be released and they would let him go. He'd always have like the biggest smile on his face. He was always so stoked that he did it. And everybody else was smiling, too. He was great. Told, by the way, Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos were great locker room guys. 
Um, and I don't believe that Gio was. I'll push back on that one. But if you say so, that's I was. I've been told that multiple times by multiple players. So I've I've always been like, hey, it is what it is. I guess I guess that's what it is. They were always great locker room guys. Uh, for Jonathan Dos Santos, I think one of his big moments actually came this year whenever he hit the game winner against LAFC. Right, LA is ours, baby. That was his. That was his thing. Uh, the 2019 season sticks out. Whenever I say when was Jonathan Dos Santos at his best, it was 2019. It was with Zlatan. It was that year we said as Jonathan Dos Santos plays the LA Galaxy play. For whatever reason, he was comfortable. He was healthy. He was sort of in that zone uh, where he wanted to be, um, and he could he could make things happen. So um, it was uh, it was a, it was a but, lot of you know he fun. he's the thirtieth player to, for the Galaxy to play in over a hundred regular season games. That when I when I read that, I mean, I think of the of Jonathan the last two seasons injured, international duty wasn't really available all that much. You know, wasn't definitely wasn't a ninety minute player. Um, the hundred and three games really jumps out at me. Uh, that's quite an accomplishment. One of 30 players in Galaxy history to play over 100 regular season games. Um, you know, he was the captain, so obviously his teammates liked and appreciated him. Um, you know, he was a leader, a guy that could, you know, we knew his English. He, he didn't want to talk to us in English, but he talked to his teammates in English. He was a guy who could speak to players, uh, you know, uh, you know, from Pavone to Daniel Steris, um, and comfortable in both languages with his teammates. Uh, and, and like I said, I, I never remember talking to him under any circumstances where I didn't feel better when I was done. Yeah, it was he was he was one of those cool dudes. The uh, things. Here's the thing, though. At 31 years old, he should not be done with the LA Galaxy. Realistically speaking, if he was playing up to the place that we sort of would have ha had expected him at 31 years old, he still has two or three years left of very competitive soccer. That being said, the injuries let him down. It wasn't the fact that he's 31. It's the fact that his body feels like it's 50 what? at sometimes. <laughs> And even when he got on the field, we saw that he would play 55, 60 minutes and look pretty good. And then all of a sudden he's starting to limp a little bit. It wasn't that he wasn't fit. I think it's just, you know, the leg problems he had. It was a groin. I think it was a hamstring at one point. Those things, a lot of times, don't heal 100%. You're never back to where you want to be. And the Galaxy, there were two things that Jonathan Dos Santos had that the Galaxy really wanted. A $2 million salary and a DP spot. And Greg Vanny really wants that DP spot. Chris Klein told me that they've begun – the process, they have some ideas. They haven't, according to him, they haven't really s settled on which guy they want, but they're, they're hitting the ground running. They know where they want to go. And Chris Klein, by the way, last year, Greg Vanny brought in 16 new players. Chris Klein said, this is the, the easiest, appears to be the easiest offseason he's ever had with the Galaxy. He said they got the DP spot, maybe one or two other positions they're looking at. They feel like the team is set. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I, we're going to go over the releases happened, but I want to talk about Jonathan, you know, looking at a replacement. The big deal here is obviously we have 12 months, a little less than that, uh, until World Cup, Kevin. So anybody you're going to get to move is going to come during a World Cup year. And if they are no longer in the national team picture, that's fine. They can move and do the whole thing. If you're getting anybody who's in their national team picture, American, Mexican, Argentine, however you want to do it, um, how, there's going to be a consideration about this World Cup. This World Cup is going to affect things. Now, I think it affects things less because it's 12 months away and not just six months away. Well, here's another thing, though. You're thinking, maybe I, you know, you'll explain this to me in a minute. Maybe I got this wrong. In a typical World Cup year, you're absolutely right because they would have played, you know, uh, it would be in the summer at the end of the season. Right. This time, if you're on a European team, you're going to play 10 or 12 games and then you're going to break. And you're not maybe in midseason fitness now. If you come to MLS, you're going to have played a full season. You're going to be fully, maybe a little tired, but you're going to be fully fit. And if you don't, if your team doesn't make the playoffs, you're going to be fully fit. You're going to have a couple of weeks off, going to training camp. 
if there's any season when maybe a tweener player like, you know, um, 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 you know, uh, Gareth Bale or someone like that's not going to come to MLS right now. But if you're a tweener player trying to make your national team, MLS might be a good place to come for you because you are going to be fit going into that World Cup roster selection. This year might be a little bit different for MLS. Yeah, it, it's good. I don't I don't I honestly I don't know how to judge it because it's different, right? It's because there's a full year because if you're somebody who's like and obviously the level of Major League Soccer has risen again, just the overall appearance of the league has risen. So if you're somebody who maybe if you're not obviously not like a French national team, right? If you're playing on the French national team, you're probably playing in MLS probably isn't going to get you on the French national team. But if you're playing for one of more of these B side teams, um, does playing in MLS hurt your chances or help your chances? Um, we've seen in CONCACAF specifically that playing in MLS has raised the status of a lot of CONCACAF players and they go back and play for their Jamaicas and they play for their, um, you know, Costa Rica's and, and, and these other teams. Um, and that has really helped CONCACAF be a lot more competitive overall. MLS has, right? So um, again, it's just sort of... It, 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 for example. Yeah. You know, it's going to be on that Peruvian team because he's playing so well in MLS. You got... Um, uh, Arango with LAFC all of a sudden winds up being on his national team because he's playing in Colombia because he's playing so well here. So, I mean, there's, it's this mix. And so I think that yes, it will have an effect. What effect? I don't know. Um, it would, it would, it would be interesting to sort of look at. Here's the other thing is that what do the galaxy need? And in my mind, they need another person who's going to bang in goals because uh, Chicharito can't be the only guy scoring goals. And you need somebody like, First of all, you're expecting Cabral to develop. And I know lots of people are like, throw him out. Well, he's coming back. We are, duh, we already told you that. He's coming back next year. He's going to play. And so what do you need to see from Kevin Cabral? You need to see an eight plus tenure. You need to see him approaching 15 to 20 goals, not goals scored by him, but assists plus goals, 15 in that area to start affecting things. And then you need somebody who's also going to be scoring goals on top of this. So, I think the Galaxy have been missing a central attacking midfielder, a, a cam, for a long time. Um, in fact, I don't remember when they've had one. It's been a very long time since they've had sort of that central attacking midfielder. This feels like the time when you can go. Now, the Galaxy's history tells us that Chicharito being paid $6 million a year is going to be the number one DP in terms of the most money that they're spending on him and that type of thing, and that we're going to see a subcategory of DP that's somewhere in the 2 to $3 million range. History would sort of tell us that we probably don't get another, you don't get a seven or $8 million guy, but there's nothing keeping the LA Galaxy from doing that, Kevin. And when you realize that Chicharito's coming into his last year of his contract is this year, this 2022 season upcoming, last season, right? What what do you plan for the future with somebody with a bigger splash? I mean, there's some there's some questions there. Well, and, and I know that you have the salary figures. Um, there's two players I think that are really important that the Galaxy should really try to bring back that are out of contract going out, uh, right now. Victor Vasquez, they didn't pick up the option on his. He made a lot of money last year, over 450000 Sasha uh, Sasha Kleshin, rather, he was at 245 or something like that. I think they need to bring him back for his, his locker room leadership, if nothing else. Remember Jonathan Dos Santos, the locker room leader, the captain, he's gone. You, you need leadership in that locker room. Vasquez and Kleshin are worth bringing back for that, you know, if for no other reason. But – the rest of the roster, you know, they didn't discard that much money. I think you said what well, was about four million dollars they got rid of. Yeah, um, and two million, and two, be, and two million of that is from Jonathan Dos Santos. Yeah. yeah, and we don't know what's going to happen with Sasha and and Vasquez. They could easily take up uh, a million if they both come back, or close to a million. So the Galaxy are going to be a high salary team. They always are. They have the resources. 
They will be forevermore under Greg Vanny. Greg Vanny spends money like a drunken sailor. That's fine. They're going to be a big money team. So I think when you go out and look, and I, I don't know that you say three, three million or four million, you just say go get a central attacking midfielder. But you're right. That's the when they talk about when when Chris Klein talks about one to two positions to fill. That's one of the positions to fill. It feels like it. Let's go over your LA Galaxy roster decisions they made. Uh, those decisions, well, they announced them. We've They've probably been made for a while. And by the way, we're probably made a lot in conjunction with Dennis DeClosa whenever he was here. I was uh, told Dennis did play a big role in all these decisions. And, and, that's, and that's what I was uh, told as well. So Dennis had, had a hand in this before it happens. Now, uh, currently the LA Galaxy have 23 players on their roster. Let's give you those guys. Uh, you have Chicharito, you have Cabral, Grancier, Leggett, Ravellison, Gonzalez, Williams, Araujo, Jovalich, Alvarez, Bond, Viafania, Stan. Perez, Koulibaly, Perez, uh, Dunbar, Neil, Furkranis, Saldana, Klinsman, Harvey, Depew, and Aguirre. That's 23 players right now. Their salary uh, roster is $16.2 million. Uh, which would be, what, third in the league? Yeah, which would be third in the league. And by the way, you know, the Galaxy also were carrying 34 players Um throughout the roster, which is one of the, another reasons why they're one of the highest spending teams. They have 34 players. They put some people on loan, but technically the salaries all add up to, to what they add up on. So um, the declined options average are, were a little over a million dollars. The out of contract players are $2.3 million. Again, that's Jonathan Dos Santos for the most part <laughs> on that. Um, and then you had Nico Hamelainen who was sent back on loan. Uh, the options exercise, Jonathan Klinsman, his option was exercised. Depew option was exercised. Stara's option was exercised. Aguirre option was exercised. And Saldana option was exercised. Uh, and with Stara's, it wasn't so much they were exercised. He earned it. It was their performance clauses, correct, in 2020. Yeah, he, yeah. They, he, he had a performance. Exactly. And so they didn't have a choice, technically. So when everybody wants to argue why Daniel Stairs is still on this roster, because they say they they exercise his option, they were mandated to exercise his option because of the contract. Well, also because he's good, that's why he's back. That is the, that is also, but yeah, we'll we'll see uh, we'll see if how many people want to argue about that. Um, options decline. Karenia option decline. Augustine Williams uh, option decline. Uh, with with Orange County, right? Didn't he just win a, a, a USL championship? Who? Uh, Augie Augie Williams wasn't? Didn't I don't he, know. Was he with yeah, Orange County? I, I, he he got loaned down to Orange County, if I remember correctly. So, um, but yeah, he was out. But they declined his option. Remember, he was in the doghouse with Greg Vanny earlier in the year. Uh, was whenever he got a first team contract, and then Greg said he signed a first team contract, and then acted like he didn't have to perform anymore, and that never recovered. And you can see Augustine William option declined on that. Danilo Acosta, a guy who never really got to play for the LA Galaxy, his option was declined, and then O'Neill Fisher. Those are the guys who are not coming back on their options declined. Eric Lopez, goalkeeper, still negotiating with the LA Galaxy, but option declined. Victor Vasquez, still negotiating, option declined. And Ethan Zubak, uh, still negotiating, option declined um, on those. And then you talked about the out-of-contract players. Sasha Kleshton, still negotiating. Justin Von Stieg will not return out of contract. And Jonathan Dos Santos will not return out of contract. And end of loan, Nico Hamelainen. The real interesting thing about the QPR thing was we have no idea what the terms of that loan were. And, and by the way, they were right that he, Augie went to SD Loyal. You guys are correct. I, 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 that, was, that was where it was. I just looked that up. Yeah. yeah, he's with Landon, the fighting with, Landon. With, with Landon, yeah, that was the other one. Anyway, yeah, they got it. 
the chat room always keeps me straight. That's fine. Uh, Nico Hamelainen uh, is going back to Queens Park Rangers. Uh, the loan terms of that were secret. We don't know if the Galaxy had an option to buy, whether or not they were just sort of mandated to return them at the end of the year. Maybe they had an option to extend the loan. Um, we know none of that because QPR was like, nope, we're, don't tell anybody. That's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's sort of where we sit with this roster. But Kevin, you look at this, and I looked at this, and you and I went over this on Saturday or Sunday. Sunday. We went over on Sunday because you gave me a call. Um, and we talked about this. Um, there's no surprises, right? There, besides Victor Vasquez, maybe a slight surprise just in terms of not picking up the option, but declining the option and negotiating a different contract. I imagine. I think they want, they want to try to sign him for less money. Yeah. Well, I also think that they want to sign him. And I think Greg Vanny probably told him this. This is what I would do with Victor is, Hey, Victor, we want you back for sure. We want you back, but I don't know how much I can pay you yet. I need to see how things shake out. So if you're willing, we'll, we can, we can work something out. It's going to be maybe probably between this range and this range. And I'll be a hundred percent honest with you because you and I go way back. Like I'll let you look at the books if you want, but we will pay you what we can in there. And it's going to be between these two numbers, but I might need a hundred thousand dollars somewhere to do so. Is that something you're even interested in? Right. And I don't know if Victor Vasquez, they say he's still negotiating. Now, sometimes they say still negotiating and those things never get off the ground. Right. Like it's like, no, I'm not coming back. It's like hopeful. The team hopes we're still negotiating. Right. I think Eric Lopez probably comes back. I think they need a third string goalkeeper. He played a lot. Didn't he play a lot of gouts too? I believe so. Yes. He's a guy they might want to bring back. Um, I, I really think Sasha Kleshton should be brought back. I know he's old, but he's he had a great season last year, led the team of performances off the bench, played in 31 games. Yep. And he had five goals. And three of them either put the galaxy ahead or won the game. I, you know, I, I, I envision him kind of like a Greg Berhalter coming back as maybe a player coach. Yes. I know he wants to get into coaching. He'd be perfect for that job. Um, and the galaxy could kind of groom him, give him a little bit of more of a role. And maybe he gets paid a little more than he did last year because he has a split contract. I mean, I don't know how that would work. Did, I, I do. I do know how it would work. Did you know that there's a rule that basically says that you can hire guys as player coaches, right? But that, not not more than 50% of their coaching salary or their their uh, coaching salary uh, of their total salary can be from coaching. So it has to be less than half of what they're making in order to do their coaching duties. So he could bring him back if he made something like I think he made 247 or something like that, bring him back at 200 for his playing salary and then give him 75 for his coaching. He gets a raise. And he comes back and the Galaxy get the benefit of that without it being a big salary hit. Cor- correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah. That is something that, that could happen. Um, just technically speaking, yes, the, that is something. Well, we have happen. no idea what we're talking about. I don't know if Sasha wants to do that. Yeah. He does want to be a coach. I know that. He's got his coaching license. Yes. And and we know Victor Vasquez was sort of in that same position, too. We know that Vasquez also is uh, wants to be a coach and, and sort of wants to do this stuff. So. Again, that is your options. Those are those are those are those are the, this is the roster that's going forward. So you have 23 guys. There are 30 players on a roster. Uh, the big one in here, and I think again, if unless you've been living under a rock, Kevin uh, Giancarlo Giancarlo Gonzalez is on this roster and still has one more year left on his deal. Now it's expected that he will be loaned out again and that his salary would be separated from the cap again because um, that's what happened this year. So. Um, just keep an eye on that and sort of how it goes. This is another interesting thing to look at here. Kevin is currently as it's constituted, the LA galaxy have eight international slots being used on the first team roster, right? So that's another, they they get eight. So they're going to have to move people like they did with Carlos Harvey, like they did with Giancarlo Gonzalez. They have to move people in order to get the international slots they want. We would imagine the Jonah, even though they lost Jonah, 
they because they had technically I think there were ten total. Let's see, one, two. I have nine for sure that I'm looking at. Um, no, ten. Yeah, there was two. So you had Victor Vasquez is international. Jonathan Dos Santos is an international, right? And so there were ten total, but they loaned out Giancarlo Gonzalez and they loaned out Carlos Harvey, which gave them eight um, for the compliant roster. Uh, but as it stands right now, with Gonzalez and with Harvey currently on the roster, the twenty the twenty three man roster they have, they have eight international slots um, set up there. So. So well, how do you address that? I mean, you would look at somebody like maybe Cabral and say, you've got a five-year contract, go get a green card. Yes. The fact that the LA Galaxy have not been more aggressive about getting green cards is just, it's a total, it's, it's, it's malpractice. It should, it's absolutely something. And you can see other teams using that. Um, and the Galaxy used to use that, Kevin, right? Robbie Keane got a green card. All right. Robbie Keane was a, was a domestic player um, towards the end of his his time with the L.A. Galaxy and right through the middle of it. They knew it was important to be able to do that and be able to use international slots other places. It is absolutely one of the most important things the L.A. Galaxy could do is try to find some of these internationals who are going to be here for a while who want to do this is get a green card. Um, and I know it's more difficult. I know it's the, the rules have changed a lot in recent time, but we've seen other teams do this over the course of these uh, of these COVID years and in between all this stuff. So the, the, the chance for the LA galaxy to do this is there and they need to take advantage of it or they're just, they're wasting an advantage, um, for this. So looking at this roster and where they are, Chris Klein says, we're looking at maybe two positions in a DP that DP could take one of those positions. Obviously, what are the two positions? You've already named one central mid central attacking midfielder. What else do where else do you think? I mean, I think the back line, yes, it could have used help, yes, but the back line's okay. The midfield needs a central attacker. Do is, is your other position a forward? I mean, we've you've got Grant Sear, you've got Yovalik, you've got Chicharito, you've got uh Cabral. Do we need another forward? No. No, I mean so that's I I think it's on defense though, because it's Via Fania as your starting left back currently as this roster sits, right? Um, so you're going to need backup there. You need a backup on the right back O'Neal Fisher, his, his option or his, his option was declined. So you don't have a backup at right back. You don't have a backup at left back via is not a 34 game starter and you can't expect him to be, although he was for a while and then he got injured. You saw what happened. Nico Hamelainen came in and he was there. Fisher filled in over there. You need one or two more outside backs, whether that's left back and right back, um, which I think you need at least that. And then you probably need a third. That's going to be a mid-level sort of you know, dollar amount on that. It's not going to be cheap. You can't just get anybody, but you also have to start planning for Julian Araujo eventually leaving as well. So do you find a younger person, um, a guy who's going to be more MLS bound and sort of set in MLS that you're going to start working towards that right back role? Are you going to promote somebody from the Academy? Those are the things they have to figure out. But as I look at this with 23 roster players, and I expect, you know, probably two of those or three of those go on loan. So you figure 20 players, the galaxy probably bring in 10 players. Um, which is a lot more than people think it is, but also the impactful roles that are happening. Most of that is going to be in depth category. It's not going to be in starter outside of the designated player. So outside back for me um, is it's probably where you're going to see some investment, maybe three or four players in that outside back uh, role. For you me. know, and, and, and two of the players, the galaxy declined options on are national team outside backs, O'Neill Fisher with Jamaica and, and uh, Acosta with uh, Honduras, right? Yes, 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 absolutely. So, um, but to be honest with you, neither of those probably really fit into what the LA Galaxy were trying to do. Uh, Fisher struggled. Um, Danilo Acosta was injured the whole time. I'm not really sure that's even fair for him. Uh, Hamelainen 
was if you used him for a specific reason, he was he was good. But you're going to have to go out and find somebody to sort of replace him because you need that starter slash backup to Viafania. So um, you need you need some coverage on that those outside backs. That's the other position where I'm thinking the LA Galaxy are thin. And I haven't done the roster breakdown yet and sort of gone in the depth chart of the 23. But, you know, that's next. There's t- tomorrow's Tuesday. I can always do that on Tuesday. Um, let's get on to a little bit more stuff. I just want to touch on the home openers. Uh, for the LA Galaxy, and it was announced. I know all of you already know this, but we didn't get to talk about it on the podcast. Uh, we knew that the LA Galaxy were going to head to Charlotte uh, to open up Bank of America Stadium on March 5th, uh, but we didn't know what the LA Galaxy's first game would be, and we're now set with that. Sunday, February 27th, uh, the LA Galaxy will host New York City FC at Dignity Health Sports Park. I would. They could be the MLS champion. They're still alive. They, they could be the reigning MLS champion then. And again, second year in a row, Galaxy Open with two Eastern Conference teams. Yeah, and not only that, but they short rest them already on the first week because they play on Saturday. They play on a Sunday to start the uh, start the season, and then they play on a Saturday um, all the way across the country. So that's nice. Good job, MLS, already um, do, doing a little of that. There's six days in there. It's a normal week, but at the same time, it's always like, oh, right. Yeah. right. It's a lo- I mean, that's a travel day. You, you're not going to probably train that day, so you lose a day and a travel day back. Yep. It, it's it's something. It's not nothing. It's something, but it's early in the season, too. So you hope, hopefully everybody's not tired from the first game um, after that goes in. Um, expansion draft news as well. Uh, Charlotte FC will join the league in 2022. Uh, that'll be the 28th team. Remember, Nashville is going to come over to the Western Conference. We talked about that. The expansion draft is set for December 14th, where they will pick five players. But Kevin, I can guarantee one thing. Not one of those five players is going to be from the LA Galaxy. Uh, Charlotte is coming in in the same expansion window as um, as Austin did. So technically, two of those teams came in in the same exact window. And whenever that happens, uh, the teams that had players chosen from them in the previous expansion draft are exempt. The LA Galaxy had Joe Corona picked from, was it Hugh? No, it was from Austin. Um, and then he, he didn't get traded. and then no, he didn't get traded. It was like a waivers deal where he was picked up on waiver. It was it was one of those reentry draft things that I guess Austin w- wasn't like privy See, to. That, that's why you need Dennis to stick around and figure all this stuff out. Oh, man. You know, this is wacky. I'm sorry. You know, you and I co- do this for a living, and I have no idea what stage two reentry draft is all about. It sounds like something that happens with, with a rocket, you know, coming back into the atmosphere. Yeah, I, I get it. I know what you mean. Um, I'm sort of looking at some of the dates here. November 30th, uh, the club deadline exercise option is coming up. That's uh, for the clubs not competing, which is why the LA Galaxy announced theirs today on the 29th. There'll be a lot of people announcing tomorrow on the 30th uh, club deadline exercise options between December 1st and December 12th. Uh, Half-day trade window opens up on December 12th. That's 9 a.m. Eastern to 1 p.m. Eastern. Half-day trade window closes at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, a 2021 expansion expansion draft on December 14th. Then you have end of year waivers on December 15th. Free agency opens 1 p.m. on December 15th. Uh, December 7th is reentry stage one. December 23rd, reentry stage two. The LA Galaxy are exactly 90 days from right now, Kevin. 90 days from opening up against New York City FC. Just to give everybody an idea of how quickly this is going to wrap up. The trade, that half-day trade, when a, the window only goes half up? Or is, yeah. that, is that a rally schedule? There's no lunch and you just go to homeroom and go to your class? I mean, how does, you know... What does that even mean? You're, Come on. You're no only, other league in the world does this goofy stuff. You're only allowed to trade for half the player. So if they're if they're a two-footed player, you get to pick which foot you want, the right foot or the left foot. So uh, that's how it works. I just think MLS, they've created all these rules because they've painted themselves in the corner with salary rules or whatever it is. But 
if the if we can't figure it out, the fans can't figure it out, and that takes a lo- away a lot of the fun. You, you look at the Dodgers right now; they're imploding. All their players are leaving. Everybody understands how free agency works, how the Rule Five draft works, how baseball works, and you can have these discussions. Should the Dodgers have kept Max Scherzer? What should they have done with Corey Seager? We can't have that discussion because we don't know where the well, you know where the I, Gall- I was going to say d- don't d- how the rules work. Don't lump me into your I don't know how things work. I know no, how you, things no, work. I'm saying you know the salary. I was saying you know the salary. Most people don't even know the salary. Are they under the cap? Are they over the cap? Can they bring this guy in? Uh, and then when, when Geo came in, remember in 2015, they invented a whole other rule. This yeah. is just yeah, yeah but, but I will say this, all right? The reason that you know baseball is because it's been around for like, you know, a hundred and something years, right? And, and I was there at the start. And you, you, you were there for the first pitch, yes. Yeah. It, was, it was underhand. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the reasons that you know it. And they have a very sort of interesting free agency structure there in baseball. Like, it's just, it's something that, that makes sense. The whole reason that there were all these re-entry drafts and the waiver drafts and all these things is because they were trying not to allow free agency in. And now free agency has sort of been allowed and it keeps getting whittled down to sort of how it goes. I imagine eventually some of this, this, in, this is, this is the way MLS keeps the single entity, which by the way, if anybody challenged it right now would totally get blown out of the water. Uh, this is how MLS keeps the single entity idea and keeps competition between the teams, but allows player movement. That's all these are reentry drafts, waiver drafts or anything like that. That's it. My point is, is if we, if we just say, Hey, the galaxy need an outside back, we should be able to sit here and talk about, well, new England has a guy out of contract. Maybe they could get him. And then we could talk about, but we, we can't. Why? Because, well, he may be in the reentry draft or he may be in phase one of the reentry draft, or he may be in the half day trade window. We don't know where any of these guys are and how they're, what their status is. So we that, can't have these conversations. That's the big thing is just the complete transparency of contracts. Just everything. Everything should be listed. Everything should be able to look up. You should be able to type in a player's name to show their contract, show their salary, whether they have performance metrics, what the deal is, like, you know, what their rider, you know, they have to have green M&Ms in their locker room, uh, in their locker before uh, every game, that type of thing. It's it's one of those things that you have to have to sort of look at and, and do. I agree. It's complicated. I don't mind it being complicated, of course, though, Kevin, because I that's how I make my money here on the show is I explain these things. So yeah, a lot um, of money. But I, I'm just talking about more for the fans. I mean, you'd like to be able to have those conversations. Hey, what can we get it right back? I don't know. I'll tell you this. You don't have to worry a lot about intra-league trades just because they don't happen as much, right? It's one of those things where you're like, oh, you know, the whole deal. I mean, Viafania came from the Portland Timbers. That was one. That was like something you're like, oh my God, it happened between teams? That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to go quickly and and tell everybody, uh, again, the MLS Cup playoffs still coming on. It's still interesting to watch. I implore you to watch. Um, especially because I'm, I quite honestly, I'm, I'm team chaos on this. I really want to see RSL be Portland now. So that way you can say that a handball in the box basically paved their way to an MLS cup. Super that interesting. Could be the galaxy. Yeah. That could be the galaxy. That was their spot. And people, by the way, wanted to argue about that, right? Somebody said, well, you know, during the season, in fact, Eric, I was talking to him. He said, I think that they beat sporting Kansas city during the season. They beat Seattle during the season and the galaxy didn't do that. I said, yeah, Eric, which means they lost to more bad teams than the galaxy did because the galaxy didn't beat those teams. They ended on the same number of points. The bottom line is if you get into the playoffs in major league soccer, you have a chance at winning. You need to catch lightning in a bottle. You need to find some, some, a difference maker, but look, number one seed, Colorado is out. Number three seeds, sporting Kansas city is out. Number two seed, uh, Seattle is out. 
Um, so, you know, there's a path to a championship for every team that makes the playoffs. RSL going up against Portland. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to find out New York City, New England, all those fun things coming up uh, here uh, tomorrow. And then you'll see sort of what your conference finals look like. Portland, RSL, whoever, whether it's probably New England. I'm guessing it's going to be New England, New England versus Philadelphia uh, for that Eastern Conference one. So uh, there you go. That's that's how it is. By the way, David pointed out in the chat room a very, very good point. RSL are so hateable, though, um, um, but so are Portland. So he's just going to root for the ball. You know? So there's only one team in those four that cannot host RSL. the final. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Portland can host if if New York City beats New England. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a super, super interesting uh, playoffs. It's, the games have been fun. They've been entertaining. They've been fun to watch. So go watch them. Enjoy that part. Um, and like I said, 90 days until the LA Galaxy kick off against New York City FC, which blows my mind, Kevin. That means that we're not that far away. What are we, 45 days or something like that until the, the teams are going to report like January 12th? Pitchers and catchers report in a couple of weeks. Um, by the way, you mentioned earlier that quality of play in MLS is getting better. And then you talked about Charlotte coming in. Don't you think that the, the the more MLS continues to expand, 28 teams, then they're going to go to 30. That's the plan now, St. Louis coming in soon. And don't you think it dilutes from the talent pool? I know they say, oh, yes. it's, it, it's a world game, but the salaries doesn't, don't change. And, the, the, you know, there, there are a number of American players coming in the game now. If you have a 20-team league, 20 by, say, 30 players, you get 600 players, now you increase that by 10, you add another 300 players, those 300 players weren't in the league when you had 20 teams. By definition, it would seem to me that the talent pool is getting diluted. I don't know how many players you bring in from South America uh, that are cheap. You you, on, you so, only get eight. You only get eight more international slots per expansion team, right? Every team gets eight, so you only get eight. Uh, eight more. So every time a new team comes in, you get eight more international slots. There's a limit to that, right? And if you have a 30-man roster, then the majority of your players have to be domestic, right? That's I mean that that's sort of how it goes. And you're right. I mean, players have told me this straight out. They said, and if you look at what is happening with the playoffs, you look at the quality of, of sort of the teams this year. Remember, we were all convinced that there were only a couple good teams in the Western Conference. Well, they're all sitting on the sideline right now. Seattle, Colorado, and uh, and um, and what was the other sport in Kansas City? They're all they're all out. So tell me again, well, who the good teams are in the Western Conference? I'd love for somebody to explain it. Well, I was having a conversation on a plane with a guy who said he lived in L.A. and used to go to MLS games or follow the teams, and he moved to Atlanta and was really excited about Atlanta United. And he goes, you know what? I just can't watch MLS right now. The, the talent has been so diluted that it's just not, in his mind, not watchable. I don't know if I'd go to that extreme, but I do think that the more they continue to expand, MLS chasing that, those expansion fees, that's what's funding everything, $325, $325 million for Charlotte to enter the league, which is basically four times what the TV contract paid the team per year, to give yep. you an idea. Yep. Um, they're chasing that expansion money. And it's diluting. Uh, they're, they're almost killing the product as they take that expansion money. They dilute the product. The only thing is that that's not a constant, right? That doesn't just sit still. And uh, the Academy of Systems and 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 uh, and we've we've been seeing in the chat room too. The Academy Systems are developing new players. You are creating better talent. So that's not a forever. But eventually, MLS has to stop expanding, and then you have to backfill with these players that you are creating, and eventually selling and doing the things that you need to do. So. There's yeah, yeah, the academy system. I mean, you look at what uh, Dallas's academy system did, and then Vancouver with Alfonso Davies, you know, and 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 you know Tim Weah was in an academy system. I think Gio Reyna was in an academy system. A lot of these players, they didn't stay long, but.
but they were discovered by MLS. Those guys are going to come back though. Eventually they come back, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's the whole thing. Eventually these guys come back. They may be 32, 33, but they're coming back. Right. And so like these, these things have a way of balancing themselves out and improving. Um, and I, maybe, we go get, maybe the galaxy need to go get DeAndre Yedlin for the I, outside back. I, I would love, I would love to be able to be sitting on a plane, having a, a conversation about MLS and the diluted talent pool. That feels like you sat next to the only other MLS fan on the plane. <laughs> like that, that feels like, were you talking to yourself? Do you, do you like, know, do you want to know how it really happened? Yes. I was getting on the plane uh -huh. and I, I carry a little book bag, you know, where I, magazines and stuff. And it was a Manchester, it had the Manchester city logo on it, of course. So the guy, it was the flight attendant, and he started chatting me up, and he said he he was from Spain. He grew up in, I think, Madrid, um, was a, had his favorite Spanish team. I forget which one it was. And then told me he lived in the States and really wanted to follow soccer, lived in L.A. You know, um, he was intrigued by LAFC, didn't go to a Galaxy game. Then he moved to Atlanta and really wanted to get in that team. He said, but I watch games on TV, and I just can't get it. You're now, a snob. You're a snob. idea of – Soccer is La Liga, so I understand that. Euro snob. I knew it was going to come down to a Euro snob. I felt it when with that answer, which is like I see. Like whenever I tell you, I can see the the talent well, being delivered. I don't know if that. I don't know if the Euro snob thing is fair because if I, if I move to Korea. I might look at Korean baseball and say, yeah, but these guys couldn't beat the Yankees. I don't know if I'm a snob or if I'm just oh. recognizing the Korean league is not the same as the American league East. You can, I can go watch a like boys U 12 game and find something interesting in it to watch soccer. If you like soccer, you can, you I'll usually follow the people who are like, I just can't watch it are the ones who are like, I'll watch the Scottish premier league on, uh, on a Sunday, Saturday morning at three 30 AM. So no, I don't buy it. I, I'm calling. And by the way, I feels like you planted that person. That's really what it feels like. I feel like I feel like this is a plant. Like this is you said, hey, this will be a good idea. And you wrote it down in your book like you were having two sides of a conversation. That's what I think. So he's a composite. Yes, of many. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You wrote a character. That's what happened. Uh, by the way, I cannot wait until we get further into the holiday season only because I have a story about the time that I actually saw Santa Claus. Uh, and I would like to share it with everybody. Really? Yes, I'm not going to share it now. I don't want to do it now because it's we're not there yet. We're over oh. Thanksgiving, but we're not quite into Christmas. And I want everybody to be fully committed to the, the holiday season as we get closer. And my wintry mixed background be fully embraced by everybody around. So uh, we will eventually get to that. By the way, uh, I did tell a story about my nine pound turkey uh, that my mother-in-law had for 14 people whenever I, one of the first Thanksgivings I ever spent with her. That's um, less than a pound a person. Yeah, that's it's not, but it's 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 not a good, it's not a good recipe for, 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 by the way, there were leftovers. I told this whole story. I, I, you, I'll tell you another time, but I was afraid that I was going to get in trouble somehow, some way that I was going to get in trouble so far. I have not gotten in trouble. So I would just like to say that I've skated by. So, so far, nobody's told my mother-in-law that I was making fun of her nine pound Turkey. Um, so you know, Santa, you've met Santa. I, I, well, I mean, I didn't meet him face to face, but I did run across him. Yes. Yes. It tell was, Santa, look at me. Look, tell Santa I need a treadmill for Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> you do need a treadmill for Christmas. I agree. I need a yeah. rowing machine. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not here to to judge Kevin on any of that stuff. All right. Um, I think that's it. Let's close it down. Uh, a lot of stuff came through from the LA Galaxy. Uh, we are planning on having a show on Thursday. Don't know what we're going to talk about because we just talked about everything. I doubt there's going to be a, another huge drop of information. But we are still waiting for a a press conference, a media call with Greg Vanny, with Chris Klein, um, that is supposed to be happening still in the next couple of weeks. So we're, we're waiting for that and hopefully we'll be able to ask some questions and find some information out about that. So that's sort of next on one of the things. Um, we'll see if we, uh, if we can do that, but yeah. By the way, for Mexico, another thing I did since I've been here on Saturday, I went to see club America in the, in the Liga MX playoffs. Um, 
played Pumas. They lost the Pumas. 56,000 in Azteca. It was electric. It was amazing atmosphere. That sounds like fun. Really are, are you, are you, I see, I was going to ask if you're eating any good food and then I remembered you're a vegetarian and it hurts no, my heart. We had, Mexican food is awesome for vegetarians. Okay. We went to a place today after we left the Mexican Federation's training center, which again, amazing. Uh, the U.S. should have something like that. And by the way, the U.S. is talking about that and it may not be um, Dignity Health Sports Park, which forever and a day was where they wanted to be. And they built out all those locker rooms and all those fields. Then they talked about Kansas City too cold. The big problem now is a lot of the top players are in Europe and trying to come to California or even Kansas City is too far. If the U.S. constructs the training base where they have the U15s and U16s and U17s and a sand pitch like they do here, right. it's going to be in Florida. Um, so just just know that they're going to, have to go to Florida because it's the closest to the East Coast, uh, closest rather to Europe. Right. But we did go to a, play, a Mexican place today. It was awesome. There was a bull ring in the parking lot, which okay. – that, that that's usually the sign of a good restaurant really yeah, don't get the meat it's great for a vegetarian there were no bulls in the ring nor people but it was there there were mariachis that uh -huh. was amazing okay. and we ate so much food i don't think i'll eat again i'd I need a treadmill but i don't think i'll eat again for six days or so all right well that's good all right we're, we're glad to have you all right uh anything else you good i can shut it down yes julian arajo and Efrain alvarez are here but i haven't seen them yet well, great good job way to bookend that podcast an hour and 15 minutes ago all right if you're looking for mr kevin baxter on twitter it's at kbaxter11 head on over to latimes.com that's where you can find him all of his writing he did a good article on carly lloyd i haven't read it yet and he already yelled at me for not reading it but i am gonna read it read about carly lloyd latimes.com kevin's got a lot of good stuff headed your way all right if you're looking for me on twitter it's at jay guessman j-g-u-e-s-m-a-n and of course at galaxy podcast corner the galaxy.com where you can find all of our writing our podcast all that fun stuff we're back from thanksgiving break a couple pounds heavier but feeling light on our feet as it goes. We'll have a show on Thursday for you. Don't know who my co-host is, but we'll announce it. We'll get you rolling. All right. For Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening. You've been watching two Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>